So your challenge is going to be to figure out who I am of those two guys. I will tell you that the other guy chickened out and is from California. Okay, I'm Carlos Oliver. Now they gave me two microphones. Oh, this one sounds way better. So essentially, we're going to discuss the various different alternatives in storage mediums for warehouses with a concentration on the shift from conventional storage and warehousing to the requirements that come forth for e-commerce uh, deliveries. I also want to thank those members of my company that are here that I had to pay extra bonus money to attend to fill in the crowd. And then we have my family that's always on this side. Then we have John Nofsinger, who I strong-armed into showing up. And the rest of you that are here on a volunteer basis, the four of you, I want to thank you for coming in. Now lock the door. Now you just can't leave. That came from the Bronx Tale, great movie. So, discuss the changing distribution industry and how warehouse design is being adapted to meet the needs of omni-channel. I didn't write this slide, they did at MHI. I don't use the word omni, only for sci-fi movies. Agenda, rack construction options, full pallet handling, and then I'm gonna show you a bunch of different types of handling system. Sir, uh, if you're taking pictures of the slide, that's okay, but if you take a picture of me, it's 50 bucks. Peter, are you laughing yet? Thank you. Your bonus is, is your jeopardy. So complexity is increasing. Here's a data slide. 56 major U.S. markets show majority of facilities be, built between the mid-2000s were not adequately prepared to handle anything that has to do with e-commerce including low ceilings, small footprints, uneven floors, and inadequate docking. And that resulted in the dot-com bust of the 2000s, where people jumped on the dot-com business, business started, some significantly sized companies, business started pouring in, and then they went out in a warehouse that was designed for bulk handling and couldn't figure it out. And they started picking out of drive-in rack systems, picking off of pallets, and it was basically a disaster. Also, the proliferation of SKUs, as we all know, have gone bonkers. I go to Costco now, I can buy a 55-gallon drum of ketchup. I think it's awesome, but my wife thinks it's stupid. So those retailers that thought an e-commerce order conducted out of the same distribution center almost cost them their business. Providing an order for an e-commerce customer is not the same as providing a product to a retail store. Only companies whose distribution systems will, were well suited to handle e-commerce was the mail order houses. They had the easiest segue because they went right from a catalog, which I still love. Who loves catalogs? Come on, raise your hand. Who loves catalogs rather than a web browsing? That drives me insane. But I love the catalog piece doing and, you know, the models are posing with the shirt rather than seeing a stupid picture of a shirt that you, it, it's horrible. I love catalogs. 
So anyway, that's a different, that's a, that's a different topic. But the, the e-commerce guys were able to roll right from a catalog into a piece, into an e-commerce because they both were picking pieces. Small level pieces, three to four pieces per box per order. Based on each picks. Grocery retailers, now this is where a lot of the grocery people will run out of business. The grocery retailers said, okay, I'm going to start selling uh, our groceries uh, out of our, our warehouse. And it brought them to their knees because those warehouses were designed for case picking and for a lot of case picking. And there were floor level slots with pallets and a guy would run by with a pallet jack and take off four cases because they were filling an order for their grocery store. Along comes an order for a packet of toothpaste, toilet paper, toothbrushes, Campbell soup, and now they're, they're like, they don't know what to do. So now they're busting open cases to fulfill that, leaving a partial case on a, on a pallet. It, it was ridiculous. So these three companies rolled right into e-commerce pretty simply, especially Amazon. So Amazon went out to destroy the rest of the market because they lacked brick and mortar. So all, everybody else had brick and mortar already, went on to sell e-commerce, and it turns out that the bottom line, when you look at their, the P&L statement, 4 to 5% of their uh, overhead was for a brick and mortar store. And Amazon is sitting there laughing because they're supplying everything out of a warehouse. These three companies, the biggies, Walmart, Home Depot, and Macy's, struggled early on and had to play catch up. They, had, they didn't have really good uh, software. Uh, they, they couldn't figure out the, 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 the cart system online for ordering. And then uh, even today, if you go on these sites and try to order something, it's, it's not... It's not well handled, and it takes usually four to five days to get something, and when it comes, it may not even be the item you ordered, whereas Amazon's they're delivering stuff to your door the next day. It's, it's ridiculous, and it's, and it's ridiculously fun. Uh, I have more boxes in my warehouse. The guy at the dump knows me by first name because I'm bringing empty boxes to the recycling center once a week with these little smiles on it, you know. So every one of these guys took a while to figure out that they couldn't adjust. So they had to go out and build e-commerce centers in addition to the centers that were supporting their retail activities. And if you look at it now, uh, all three of them, their increases, they have had a significant increase in e-commerce business at the expense of their conventional business. So one's going up, the other one's going down. Macy's especially is really having a hard time because their SKUs at the stores are going down dramatically because you, you order from the online because you know you can get what you want, the right size, and if, uh, ladies, I'm sorry, I'm not picking on you, but you know how you guys are. We're going to a dinner next week. I'm going to order eight dresses and determine which one I want, and I'm returning the other seven, right? The people at Macy's are there ready to put a bullet in their head because all these returns are come flying in. But you two are very happy, and my wife is ecstatic.
And I'm sitting there, I said, what the hell are all these dresses? I said, well, I don't know which one I'm going to wear. But anyway, what happens is they wind up keeping two instead of one, right? I know the way you're all. So, frequently with conveyors sorting, now we're sorting orders to boxes for shipment. Well, let me go back a second. So these conventional type warehouses that have a lot of people running around on, on trucks, pulling full pallets, taking cases, putting the cases on a truck and delivering to a store are now turning into high pick, each pick activities, hanging garment centers for their uh, product and then the yellow beans, the, the lands then, they're still r rolling along really well because they're able to continue doing what they're doing just by expanding their current operations. So that's how we got to what we got. So now we're going to go into showing you the various alternatives. Now some of this stuff is basic, so I'm just going to wander through. And by the way, if anybody has any questions, uh, don't ask. Okay. The number of, I guess, whatever you want, you can raise your hand, I'll signal you out. If it's an annoying question, I won't pick on you again. I have a few people in the back that are going to ask very interesting questions that I know the answers to. Because there's nothing worse than having a question that you can't answer, right? You'll feel like an idiot. Uh, number of pallets per skew is used to determine the correct racking system. That is an innovative thing that we discovered years ago. It's not it also coupled with the volume. The higher the pallets per SKU, the more dense you can make your storage. The low number of pallets per SKU is, signifies that it should be going into a single selective rack system. The reason for that is that you have to consider emptiness of the warehouse. And everybody likes throwing around 80% full. Well, that is something that you should be able to calculate based on the number of pallets per SKU you have in a facility. The problem is, if you put apples behind bananas, you have to move something out of the way to get to the one you really want. And that's, that could throw tre tremendous cost. Low pallets per SKU allow the use of single selective. Nice thing about single selective, why everybody goes that way, because it's, you could, the minute you take a pallet out, you can put something else in its place. So it, you, you're, it's risk averse. The problem is, is that you may be using a facility that's five times bigger than it could be if you're able to put some density in it. So what we have out in the market, there's roll form racking. You've seen this all around the show. Various different configurations, uh, all snap fit, teardrop tile styles, uh, ec economical, versatile, easy to configure. And the biggest con with it, it is uh, it's very uh, easily damaged and expensive to repair and replace. Structural steel racking is heavy duty, damage resistant, extremely durable. You could hit it with lift trucks, higher capacity. Disadvantage is typically bolted connections and, it, and it's more expensive. Oops. You have various different sizes for these, all ranging from different size columns. The steel is purchased from the mill. Roll form is made from a roll, formed, and cut into a shape to be used. 
full pallet handling systems. Single deep, double deep, pushback, drive-in, double pallet drive-in, pallet flow, pallet shuttles, and high-rise. These are all to pull full pallets and bring full pallets out. A lot of times they go to a forward pick area if you have to do case picking or, any, or each picking. Here's selective racking, the most prevalently sold in the market, as I said, because it's error-free. Double deep racking, it requires a deep reach vehicle. Down rating occurs, but you can go too deep. Pushback racks gives you density with selectivity. It's more expensive than the single deep and double deep racks, but the system doesn't know that. A lift truck operator can move as many pallets per hour out of a pushback system as he does a single selective system. So when you have density, it's a very good product to use. I will give you a rule of thumb to take home with you. If you want a warehouse to have at least 80% full, dedicate three locations, three locations to the SKU. Okay, any less than that, it's gonna be higher honeycombing. Any higher than that, it'll be better. Four is 88% full, five is 90% full. Keep that in the back of your head when you take a look at your product mix that's coming in. You do a ledger of 100 SKUs, how many pallets you have for SKU, and how many you have per, uh, and once you look at per SKU counts, you say, okay, these I could put into a 4D system, these I could go in 2D, and I could use the bottom. You should never store, you should not store fast movers the same way you store slow movers. Okay, so you should have at least three or four different types of storage mediums in an effectively run operation. So why do people not do that? Because we are, we are trained to get the order out no matter what, and the easiest thing to do is throw bodies at it. So people throw bodies, they work overtime, they work Saturdays to get the order out because that's the most important thing. And it's a cost of labor is not something that's looked at by management as much as it should be. Keep an eye on your overtime. Drive-in, drive-through, high density, but boy, you better have a lot of the same stuff. For example, four high, four deep drive-in, that's 16 pallets. Remember my rule I said before, if I want 80%, I need three locations. 16 times three is 48. So I should only put in a four high, four deep drive-in stuff that I have 48 pallets of. And you should run that, you should run through an entire bay until it's empty and then move to the next one. And as soon as it's empty, it's, it's available for another skew. But drive-in gives you a lot of density at the expense of uh, selectivity. This is a, uh, a double handling. Now this you really need a lot of the same stuff. A lot of the bottling water companies do that. A lot of the beverage companies do that. Where you have a double handling attachment on your counterbalance truck and they're able to move two pallets at a time and they can go into the back of a truck so they can load and unload free stuff. Pallet flow. Lock the door, don't let him out. All right, now the good stuff's coming, he doesn't even know. So pallet flow is, is super high density, 
pallets go on rollers and go first in, first out. It's great for that, great for density, but it's typically pretty expensive. Also, the varying, it's Hofsel, it doesn't work well with different weight pallets in the same location. You can't flow a 500 pound pallet in the same slot you're flowing 2,500. One's gonna fly like a, a runaway train and the other one's gonna get hung up because the brakes are adjusted. Then it depends on good pallets, nails sticking out, they get hung up. So that there's some challenges to that, but still very popular in staging areas. Pallet shuttle systems are becoming increasingly uh, uh, taking over the high density markets because it doesn't, it could handle a crappy pallet, it could put it away, it's fast, it's effective, while the, while the, while the motorized uh, mole is going towards the back, I'm going and picking up another pallet to put in its place. So once again, high volume, high turnover, a lot of the same stuff. Food companies, food manufacturers, beverage companies are all very, uh, I've been using the product as of late very successfully. Maintenance recharging of the shuttles. You have to move one shuttle from one location to the other. So what that means is if I have an entire level of oranges, but my outbounds consist of some of these and some of those, it's not the best system in the world because the, the pallets that are in the back have to be moved forward. Now, if you have two, two shifts of moving in and out, you could, could, the third shift could be used to bring all the pallets that are in the back forward. The nicest thing is when I can load a truck, I got 12, 22 pallets, whoosh, in they go, or all they come in at one time, and it, you're, you're moving 50 pallets an hour, you can load a truck in 20 to 20 minutes, or unload a truck in 20 minutes, we've seen it done. High-rise ASRs pick modules. So the stacker crane systems are now, it, 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 they're going bonkers because of the... Hello, George. <laughs> Okay, everybody go thumbs up to George that this guy's an amazing presenter. Go ahead, tell George. <laughs> so, um, so the stacker crane systems are going nuts right now because of lack of labor, uh, high labor cost. Now I want to automate. Every time I take a guy off a crane, I'm paying $50,000 for three shifts. That's $150,000 that goes towards affording something like this. So it's becoming a heck of a lot more affordable than it was 20 years ago. And then what happened, the, uh, the president put in place, uh, when he took off for it, a one-year depreciation versus it used to be seven years for capital equipment. That's why the material handling industry is booming right now, because everything that's on that floor you could depreciate in year one. And it's now, these buildings typically have rack-supported structures. Rack-supported structures, almost 80% of the cost could be classified as equipment. So now you can take the entire building. This building we're in depreciates over 35 years. Now you can take 80% of this if this was rack-supported and depreciated in year one. There's probably 30 buildings going up across the country right now. So there's, an, there's a selectivity versus density. You always have a comparison uh, between the, the two and, and arranging your warehouse. And once again, when I speak to you about the pallets for SKU, that's how you differentiate which way you want to go with your handling systems.
So we have case in each handling system. So this is where we were talking about before. With the proliferation of SKUs, the most valuable gold slot in your warehouse is the floor spot. The floor spot, if you're running things effectively, you should be able to pick about 150 to 200 cases an hour. Uh, the, the problem is, is that when you have to go up in the air to go get it on an order picker, it drops down to about 70. So rule of thumb, when you design a warehouse, all the pick slats on the floor when possible. Rule number two, remember rule number one. So now you say, well, wait a second. I have 2,000 SKUs. I just went to 3,000. Or my floor slots are shot. What do I do now? Well, if you follow Pareto's law, 20% of your SKUs or 80% of your storage, this is a little known fact that Pareto's law continues. 30% is 15. And more importantly, 50% of SKUs are 5% of volume. Those are the ones, those 50% of those SKUs that are dogs, you want to stick them in an environment where I want to pick them off the floor, but I don't have to replenish that for weeks or maybe months. So selective case and each picking systems are, are a way of handling these slow type movers. What I really wanted to get to is, okay, carton flow. So there's varieties of carton flow that allows you to convert a floor slot where you had two SKUs into 35. And they're on the floor. And my guys could keep picking them with a pallet jack at a high rate, as we discussed before. So now I've taken those 50% of my SKUs, put them on the floor, and it works terrifically well for, for not having to go up and get it. And there's various varieties. Some are just lanes. Some are dedicated. Some are, are roller-related. And so there's, you'll see a lot of it out on the floor. And then they're just terrific for each picking. So if I have a lot of each picking going on, I want to have a broken case, reach in, grab a piece, put it in a box, throw it on a conveyor. Or if, if you don't have the speed to justify the expense of of sortation or conveyor systems, you just throw it on your pallet jack. And that's on same skew, drops down, pulls it out of there, puts it in a case, puts it on a roller deck, and off it goes. He then picks it, puts a label on it, turns around and puts it on a conveyor belt. Conveyor scans it, sorts it to a loading dock door. So you'll see this up retail. Hello? Okay. You'll see very popular in retail pharmaceuticals, Walgreens, Rite Aids, CVSs, uh, where they're delivering cosmetics and, and H health and beauty aids to the retail store. Shelving and rack for even slower movers because the case flow, usually about to have eight cases per SKU. And... Um, these, you could have probably about two or three cases per SKU. So they're very, very slow. Then you can put them up in the mezzanine system. And the mezzanine system takes a 30-foot high warehouse and doubles the square footage. And you can put product on each level. Rack-supported mezzanines. In here, and these are individual supported wide span mezzanine systems. Pick modules. Usually, when you get over 20,000 picks a day, it starts justifying 
a, a, a pick-to-conveyor system. And the reason for that is, remember I said before, 150 to 200 cases an hour for picking off the floor. Well, the retail industry that has a one-to-one -one ratio of pallets to SKUs can't put everything on the floor. It's impossible. So you have to go up and get it. And that's why order pickers were invented. So a guy goes up with an order picker, he's picking 70 cases an hour. That's really, really slow. So when you start dividing uh, 400 cases an hour, or 1,000 cases an hour by 70, you're throwing a tremendous amount of manpower at it. These modules could do about 400 picks an hour. So now I take, I say, wow, that's a lot of, I, I gotta pay conveyors $3 million. Well, you take $3 million for a sortation system, divide it by $50,000 a head, and you'll find, you'll find what rate you need to be at, to, how many men you need, or women you need to take off your case picking to justify a sortation system. And it's not all that difficult. That's why you see a tremendous number of these systems in the retail industry, and you won't find them in grocery. Because grocery, the, the ratio of, of pallets to SKUs is still very disproportionate where you could have a kit, you could have a floor slot. Eight to one, 12 to one pallets per SKU, where retail is usually one or two pallets per SKU. And they come in a lot of shapes and sizes. A lot of times you have modules without conveyor. I want to go up and get it, but I don't want to go up with a, with a, tur with a, a turret truck or a, uh, an order picker. So you put a guy up on the mezzanine platform picking cases. Here's some more pictures of that technology. Notice the conveyor running down the center. High density, full pallets. You know, every system should be designed specifically for what you're going to do inside your warehouse. Pick modules from mid to volume, high volume for case pick, shelving for each picks. For more information, don't call John Cromwell. He didn't come. Hi, Edda. <laughs> uh, so I kind of went through that fairly uh, quickly. Anybody have any uh, questions? A lot of questions. Um, couple, th yes, sir. Okay, good question. So he asked about how do you define or determine eighty percent full? Well, Pareto's analysis says, says twenty percent of something is eighty percent. So twenty percent of your salespeople account for eighty percent of your sales. Uh, it's twenty percent of of Campbell's soup skews comprise 80% of, of revenue what they sell. So what that means is that you want to put those, identify those by doing an order report of all your SKUs and line them up by inventory, by the number of pallets on hand for each SKU and your volume of moving out the door of each SKU. And then when you get that grid, whether it's 100 or 5,000 SKUs, you could take a line and say, okay, my 20% or one of a thousand is one of 200, right? So 200, you draw a line and see what that snapshot looks like of movement and inventory levels. And then the next strata is 30%, and the last strata is 50%. OK, 
okay, then I'm not sure what you mean by high defining a warehouse. What, what are the metrics that you use to say I'm 80%? Okay. Yes. Uh, so I said before that in order to get 80% fullness, you needed to have three locations for your SKUs. So when you go in in that warehouse, and if you take a snapshot today, every product has a life cycle. So the, that life cycle means the time that that slot is full till the time it gets empty before I could use it for something else. So uh, ice cream. Your vanilla ice cream is going to move a lot faster than, than uh, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, your high movers. Almond might be a slow mover. So you might run out of vanilla ice cream in two days. So you need to have more of that on, 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 online than you need of the other kind. So give me three locations for all the palettes you have of that flavor, and, and you'll, have, you'll maintain 80%. The problem is, is that if you take an item that you only have two palettes of, let's, let's talk about double deep, two deep. If I take oranges, I have two palettes of them, I put it in one slot, Today I pull the first pallet out, that slot's empty, it's, you're, so you're 50% empty of that slot for the duration of time it takes before I take the second one out. So if I look at 100 SKUs and every one of those is partially empty, then that's how my warehouse becomes empty. Or I get to what they call honeycombing effect. No? Yeah, so, so 80%. You, you mathematically back into it by reviewing your skew counts. And that's how you identify that you're 80, 70, 60, or 50%. The biggest problem over the years has been driving racking. There were people building driving racking years ago because they wanted density, and all of a sudden you walk in and, and they're half empty, or they're, they're putting one skew behind another. And there's ways, you know, you convert the top of three levels to pushback, to reduce the number of pallets you need to, to, to make it full. Whoops, sorry. Sorry about that. Any, uh, any other questions? Good, thank you.